welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. All right, welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, this J10 initiative. This is Father Mike. And Seminarian Jacob. And we're on part two, late night, rolling on in the podcast. Yeah, this is, uh, we probably never find Father John at this point of the night. Yeah, I think it's 11, 11, 15. Yeah, I'm just waking up, so it's great. Yeah, you snoozing? Mm-hmm. The, um, are you a night owl? Absolutely. Really? Always have been. Uh, seminary has tried its best to make me a morning person, and without fail, two days into break, back on night owl schedule. Yeah. Oh, I never got used to it. So well, nine years in the seminary here. And I, we would do an early morning holy hour every day. And I'd be there, but I'd kind of be there, <laughs> kind of be zombie. I'm still like that, too, for our for early morning prayers. And what's amazing, even here, we're, we're doing a, a holy hour at 630 here mm-hmm. at the house. And that's a treat because I wake up and uh, kind of roll out of bed at 620 and walk upstairs. What time is seminary? Six? Six. But oh usually uh, it's so tight afterwards um, to get to breakfast and then get into class that I'm usually trying to get everything prepped before. So I've got to get up and wake up and shower and get my bag packed before holy hour. I don't always do that. Um, so usually 530 is about the latest Ooh. I wake up during the year. So here it's like 620 is great. I can come down, pray, and then I can go shower. So it's awesome. You make me feel soft. I kind of admire these people who are... 4.30 in the morning and Yeah, but they're, if they're in bed by 7 or 8, you know. I'm, yeah. Mark Wahlberg, I think, goes to bed at 7.30, wakes up and works out at like 2.30 in the morning. But, <laughs> you know, it's, you're shifting it. They say the early bird gets the worm. Yes. But. but uh, what? The second mouse gets the cheese. <laughs> oh. Oh, that's, yeah, kind of morbid. But I I guess the, the analogy, I get it, but. Who wants to eat worms? <laughs> like, I'm not into worms. Gummy worms. Gummy worms. That's the that's your backcountry ski snack. It is good, man. Those sour worms. <laughs> Those sour gummies. Those like uh, neon ones. Yeah. That have two different colors. Yeah. Can we drop names, brand names, or is that gonna get us sure. sued? The trolley. Oh yeah, trolley. The trolley. I uh, think sour um, gummy worms. Father John is into Haribo. Oh, you know man. the Haribo yeah. gummies. Those but I good. like the sour ones. I, I use like those, those for trolleys. Biking. The the quick energy, uh, yeah. just the trolleys for or the uh, the Haribo gummies for biking, but quick sugar, the little blast. Yeah. Well, dude, I'm having a great day. Um, we already talked about the Avalanche winning their game on this last episode. These get spread out, so like people are kind of rolling their eyes or whatever. <laughs> but um, <laughs> the I met this guy today, Richard Sandoval, and he is probably the just like the best dude I've met in a long time. And um, at the end of life, I went to give him the sacraments and he's, um, you know, kind of bedridden. And you would think like, I asked him how he's doing and he says, yeah, there's a lot of pain. I have rheumatoid arthritis and he's got the hands that are kind of like frozen Mm. um, in, in the curl, like the claw. And, um, but he, he wasn't really interested in talking about that. He wanted me to see his family and his nieces and nephews. He got pictures all over the wall. <laughs> and then he's telling me about how um, I say, I'm kind of asking him about, you know, sort of like what are, tell me some highlights of your life or tell me about your life or whatever. 
And he was really happy about how he uh, took care of his mom when, and now this guy is like 85 or something, but he's telling me how he took care of his mom when um, she was older and she was, um, she had had something with like blood flow and then had to have her, um, her leg amputated. And he was smiling about how, you know, it was an opportunity to serve her and he would take care of her and, you know, wake up in the middle of the night. He would help her to the bathroom. He would cook for her and how his, his siblings helped out too. And, um, and then he was just happy. He was just happy for the sacraments and to be, you know, praying together. He tells, told me how he prays. And um, I was just impressed with his simple joy. And I had the thought of like, I want, yeah, I wish I were that good. You know, I don't know. It's hard to, ju- to judge ourselves, <laughs> right? But I want to be that good, you know? I, I want to be, have that kind of simple joy in service. And then I was just thinking about it and praying for him on the drive back and thought, well, that seems like such a difficult circumstance. You know, your mom is sick and, and everything, but it really is an opportunity to do something noble. And this was like his great um, joy in life. His Maybe trophy is the yeah. wrong word, but his, no, no, gl- his glory. And, and yeah. happy to share at right. the end of his life. I've got a question. Do you think, do you think he had that same exact mode in the moment? Or do you think it's a, a, in hindsight, as he lives through this, he sees it as... You know, I, I I don't have a judgment one way, but well, I'm sure it wasn't um, easy because I think a lot of times we judge ourselves really hard in the moment. You said you know sure. you, you'd like to have that lighthearted service, and I see you serve, and I see you lighthearted. Yeah, right, right, <laughs> um, right. So, and, but but on the other side of something, you know, where you became, you know, uh, you served well and loved well. Yeah, it becomes a trophy. Well, this is the end of life, and I think there's great wisdom there. Yeah, and you see the most valuable things like is it is it really going to matter that i um i don't know ran a marathon or that i whatever climbed mountains i like doing that i feel really like satisfied and accomplished and everything but what's going to matter is how you loved and that that guy loved well and he continues to you know and then he was telling me how he watched the passion of the christ and he started choking up about man, all of the how Jesus suffered for us. It was amazing, Father. Do you understand how I I saw this movie and it and it's it's so true how how deeply Jesus suffered for us. And he was just making a comment. He wasn't trying to like prove a point or teach me a lesson or something like that. And but it was just so beautiful to see that kind of engagement with life at that at that moment, you know, and the value of being able to look back, like mm-hmm. you're saying, you know, and see life in hindsight and to have something of a clarity of perspective. And he's just his joy. He was really happy. He was really happy yeah. to tell me about <laughs> some of his friends and the people he loves. And it made me happy. It makes me think of uh, something you, you preached about. Um, we were on our backcountry hut trip um, this past uh, winter with the seminarians and Father Mike and Father John were on the trip and leading and, and the, the priests for 
sacramental needs. And um, the day before we headed out, uh, you were preaching, and something you said uh, kind of reflected on that struck me was you were talking about the final judgment. But what you were talking about wasn't, um, wasn't reflecting on all of the sin we've committed, but the final judgment where we also see all of, all of the grace in our life, all of the love and all of the service and all of the beautiful things that we have done and forgotten, as well as just the things that we didn't even realize were necessarily important, significant, whatever, uh, possibly a kind word to somebody or an encouragement or, um, you know, showing mercy. And um, then you have ripple effect. And if that one word might have changed somebody's life, and they go on to change some lives, you mm. know. Um, and that just stuck with me. Like, that's a really profound, you know, how often are you reminded of the little ways you loved? Yeah. Uh, and, and that they can actually have such big ramifications. And Jesus has that perspective. So he's going to celebrate us. I love that about the judge. And that, yeah. I think Jesus in judgment is going to help us to let go of those regrets. If we're if we're like fixated on regrets or sadness, I wish I would have done this, I wish I would have done that, I wish I hadn't done this or that, then he'll say, yeah, yeah, and then let me show you the rest of your life yeah. and all the good. So I'm. I, it's one of those things of looking forward to judgment then. I like to talk to you. I've riffed on that a little bit yeah. on the no, podcast too. And I like, I mean, it's, it's not saying, you know, oh, go... Go live your life however you want. Forget, forget God, and yeah. <laughs> everything's gonna right, be fine. Right, yeah. it's, it's because we are striving after Christ and striving. That's why we even feel feel kind of like the shame at sin, which is is uh, even a good movement at times to be ashamed of the evil that I've I've done. Um, but then to have that that witness, that Paraclete, and that uh, you know having Christ as as judge to say, yes, but here's where I've been yeah. working with you and in you. And I think if you take it seriously, it's even more incentive to do as much good as you can, yeah. you know, to love as much. Jesus says, here's my commands. Love God, love your neighbor. And that'll be really that the most valuable thing at the end of life. Yeah. Well, well this is kind of a tangent. It's super tangent, but I don't even know. We'll bring it back a little bit more lighthearted, uh, reminding you of something you've probably forgotten. I got some texts from my dad recently of pictures he found um, going through old family photos All right. of you and Father Matt Book over at my parents' house. I think I was in college at the time, uh, and you're playing wiffle ball with my little yeah. siblings. I don't know if you remember those. I think I saw one but of the... You got a picture uh, there? A Father Mike swinging him. Oh, no. Him. Sorry, I'm showing him photos. This is terrible for an audio-only medium. I don't, but, uh, I'm not sure if that's, a, if that's good form or not, but <laughs> I look way overextended. There's a couple others. If you swipe... But you know I'm yeah. smiling. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? I my siblings still remember, you know, the seminaries oh, coming over. Dude, so playing fun. wiffle ball. That's great. And yeah, you, you forget these things. You and Father Matt, you know, before you were priests. Cuz we and go back, we go back a long way. I, I we go back guys, a long way. You know, when I was in high school. And uh which is coming up on 14 years. Your family has a real knack for um hospitality. I remember yeah. just feeling very welcome. And I know they do that for a lot of seminarians and priests, and that's really cool. Yeah. Thanks for showing <laughs> me, and thanks for, uh, thank you, Machado family, for welcoming <laughs> us. And that's, 
you know, playing wiffle ball. Sometimes people just want to interview you. Oh, you're a priest. You know, <laughs> let's figure that out. And I like this. Hey, Teach let's, me something. Let's play wiffle ball. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like wiffle ball. I haven't played that in a long time either. Oh, man. We were playing with that last year, Father Ryan O'Neill, uh, who is our vocations director, um, loves wiffle ball, loves baseball. And I had like 15 wiffle balls and a couple wiffle ball bats stored in the garage. So I brought those out and we'd play sometimes after uh, after lunch at the seminary. Father would come down from his office. And I think at the peak, we probably had uh, one of the other teachers and about 10 guys out in the courtyard oh, yeah. at seminary playing wiffle ball. Do you play by the rule where um, if a guy is running between bases, you can throw it at him? Of course. Always. Oh, yeah. Okay. I didn't know if that was a standard wiffle ball thing yeah. or if that was kind of house rules. I used to play when I lived at Christ the King as a seminary, and we'd play on the playground. And yeah. Did they have the uh, the turf with the baseball field drawn out at that point? Or? No, it was like a parking lot, okay. I think. Yeah, they've, they've put turf down that actually has like a baseball field on it. Oh, great, man. Great place for wiffle Christ ball. the King. <laughs> I'm just moving. I'm moving. I'm not coming up there in the anymore. world. I'm heading down to Lords for this year. That's a good place too. Yep. Another great school. They're not a wiffle ball school. They're a um, kickball. Oh, which is also pretty I cool. Get behind that. Yeah, but they they will um, gloat. Is that the word? <laughs> when they catch you out, like I'll I'll kick it and gloating, then the kids. taunting. Yeah, being mm-hmm. eight years old. Yeah, exactly. What you want to call it? Eight years old. <laughs> Thanks a lot, kids. Um, it's so fun. I love that stuff. Um, life discovery, self discovery, <laughs> as a segue. So, I, I, by way of topic, um, we had done a podcast not long ago. Um, Father John and the guys at Gregorian Rant, Father Brian Larkin and Patrick Deveni, and. It ended up entitled, um, Don't Be Weird. I don't know. Did you listen to that podcast? I did not. Okay. I saw it. I, I've, I'm not a very good uh, Catholic stuff listener. Yeah. Well, don't, <laughs> but, I don't hold uh, it against you. Yeah. Um, um, no, I, I know you guys talked about it. I know you talked about uh, Catholic schools, right? With that was one? another episode. Okay, so you did multiples yeah. with them. Yeah, there okay. were two episodes. One was about like what makes for a good yeah. Catholic school or classical school. Don't be weird. That's just, that's Father John's like tag right now is it yeah i mean f- from fundamental theology on <laughs> guys just don't be weird yeah okay so i was nervous about doing this podcast with father john because of that because i want this to be uh the holy spirit likes weird <laughs> all right <laughs> and uh, he i mean we have this long-standing thing where he i'm provocative and i play the devil's advocate a lot um that's just a expression figure of speech <laughs> um but the idea just being like everything is held in tension and the catholic perspective is perennially et et you know that latin and 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 so both and yeah. so a lot of times you can say something and you can say something true and then there's a compliment to it that's that's also true and so I was reticent about it, but I really have been thinking, and in, and in hindsight, I wanted to make the point, when you're on the spot and you're doing a podcast, it's like, I'm not super witty, so I don't think well on my feet, and um, it takes me time to kind of process through an idea and then to be able to express myself 
fully. And I think we made some good points in that podcast, and it's certainly certainly valid. So I want this to be an et on top of an et. <laughs> yeah. Were you one of those guys that, uh, you know, something would happen at school, and then, you know, that night when you're laying down to bed, you're like, oh, that's the comeback. Yeah. I did that all the time. Oh, I still do <laughs> I that. I can't wait till somebody does that again, because now I'm ready. Yeah, or, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Next time I'll say. Um, <laughs> all right, so we're entering into the et, et, and, and. This is, uh, we're, we're holding intention, uh, don't be weird in one arena, but also the Holy Spirit loves weird. Yeah. Let's go. Or be weird. Or be weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I and, and I'm not going to just like rehash that whole podcast, but we did try to give it some examples of where people are, and th- this is the way that I understood it, and I thought was kind of like the nuggets that we drew from that conversation, was um, people are wanting to be holy as Catholics, and... Um, we start out, we're filled with this kind of grace of uh, joy and um, insight when we meet Christ and we welcome him into our life and into our heart and um, come to know God as Father, um, come to begin to understand the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit and having our life animated uh, by the Holy Spirit that is um, inspired, right? And when we we have that initial reaction, we say, okay, I want to be holy. I want to do this really well. I want to be like the saints, for example, and wanted to seek for excellence in the Christian life. And then the question is, well, how do you do that? And often enough, we're looking for examples. And then the tendency is, I have to be like those heroes that I have uh, discovered something great in, in the mm-hmm. Christian life. So I find, you know, I've been inspired by various characters throughout my... Um, Do you have any particular uh, inspiring saint characters that did something really weird? Oh, yeah. Well, there's a <laughs> lot of them. And I think I, there's something a little bit... Um, there's, a, there's a tension in the saints where they they live their own... They live with a great deal of freedom. Yeah. And, and saying doing, they did something weird, um, it's almost a, a lens of perspective. Yeah. Because um, some of the radical just moves of love that these saints made to, to give themselves entirely, to drop everything and follow um, the gospel message that they heard uh, from a lens... Um, sometimes overly pr- pragmatic lens <laughs> yeah. looks weird and uh, yeah, really just unthinking. And so, yeah. And weird is such a hard yeah. term to, to work with. Um, but yeah, there's some real kind of radical lives of the saints. And if you try to imitate those, then on the one hand you can imitate the virtues and it's admirable. You should seek to be a saint. You know, Ignatius of Loyola um, sat in his bed and he read the the lives of the saints. Eventually, he, first it was the knights, <laughs> and he was inspired by that, but not edified. And then read the saints, and then he aspired to be like them. Mm-hmm. So he set out. And um, the I think that the trouble is when you try to 
de- you decide that my personality has to be like their personality. And instead of inspire, in, instead of aspiring to their virtues and the greatness of the acts of charity and the acts of hope and the acts of faith that they did, um, you're just putting on a persona. I need to act like that person. I have to be, um, I have to talk like Mother Teresa, or I have to dress like this person, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. There, it becomes a kind of caricature or a persona. And that to be to be less weird, I guess, is in some in some way to find yourself and to be able to invite the Holy Spirit to live in you and your life to be conformed to Christ, mm-hmm. such that it's your life, that you're a kind of a particular, but you're not trying too hard. Weird is trying too hard, right? <laughs> yeah. And so we gave some examples, and I don't. They'll they'll meet with various review. Like some people are going to love it, some people are going to hate it because you're you're, the, you're are you on my team? Do you yep. like my brand of you know Catholicism? And whether that's you know I'm the serve the poor type, or I'm the um, traditionalist type, or I'm the charismatic type, or I'm an intellectual type, or whatever it is, you can get typecast into those things, and then. Um, it, it, the problem is if you're looking at other people and saying, well, you didn't get it right. You know, I figured out who the, the, the great Catholics are the, and, and I'm pursuing that I'm imitating that and everyone else is kind of, um, lost, Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, so we kind of got around to this, you know, we, we went around and around about like what, what is weird and how do we avoid weird? And, um, there was various types that kind of came up and, um, and I thought it was, I thought it was really useful. And and the point is important. What I was nervous about in hindsight and not everything. So I don't want to make it like, okay, I'm, I want to throw that out baby with the bathwater. But what made me nervous was I don't like the idea of, I, we want everything to be conventional and we want everyone to look the same and act the same and be the same. Cause there's something of this standard of normalcy that's opposed to weird. Right. And it can be reduced into like, I don't know, something like be more like me, you know, cause I'll define weird and I'll put that label on something or just, here's some standard of safe yeah. and we want everybody to be safe and normal means don't break out of the norm. Mm-hmm. Like don't break out of the what's comfortable. Yeah. I think of, you know, the, the possible docile Christianity that, you know, the, the neighbors or the, <laughs> the political party at B might say, Hey, as long as you practice this way, you're fine. But once you start like living it or, talking to me about it or saying maybe I should look at this. I'm a little uncomfortable now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's be, be safe, be, be normal. Yeah. Right. Uh, safe. Can, can normal. be just as weird, can, you know, can have a boxing effect. Normal can as well. Yeah. And da- it, weird can be 
in, in, I, I want to get away from that yeah. word, but what do you think can uh, be dangerous? What do you know, uh, know about? I like the word deviant. <laughs> I don't know a whole lot, but what do you know about uh, the like the old idea of the holy fool? Yeah, exactly. I have used this. So I, I we did an episode about this, and I don't know if this is exactly what you're talking about, but in the, some of the Eastern traditions, exactly, yeah, you have saints and you have holy fools, and the saints are ones whose lives you're going to imitate because they show exemplary virtue and um, because there's something about their life that is safe. Mm-hmm. Um, the holy fools do crazy stuff that people should not imitate, <laughs> but they were inspired mm-hmm. and they were living some sort of radical holiness. And in the end, we're uh, prophetic in a way or a witness yeah. in a way. A lot of the... The fool. I, there's a there's a holy fool character in a in a book that I read back in Sy, and one of the things that he would do is he would just kind of like run around the town throwing pebbles at houses, <laughs> and people are like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "I'm scaring the devils away from your house." <laughs> and you think about it, and it's like, okay, well, if you don't believe in any type of angelic spirit warfare, that's weird. Yeah, but. If that exists, even if he's not necessarily seeing them, his antics are drawing to mind yeah. the reality that there the, the devil is like a roaring lion prowling around waiting to devour you. And he's pointing that out by saying, hey, demons are knocking at your door. Yeah. <laughs> Reminding you of reality. Yeah. Even if, yeah, and not everybody's supposed to go throw rocks at people's yeah, houses. Yeah, don't do that. Right? I'm, not, I'm not suggesting so go that, throw rocks No, but that's, houses, the, but that's the point about the imitation is like yeah. they're doing radical things that, yeah. And I think th- within, the, within the reality of the church and what the Holy Spirit is doing, there's a lot of expressions that deviate from the norm. And anything that deviates feels uncomfortable, feels dangerous. But God doesn't play just safe, you know? The Holy Spirit does inspire people to things that other people might find, you know, find strange. And so I think of, like, I've been involved in um, or kind of spent some time with some of the um, some of the movements. And um, there was one time when I was, I was hanging out with one of these movements, um, and they'll do circle dances, like Jewish dances after a like a Lord's Day celebration on a Saturday night. And it made me uncomfortable. And I at first I was kind of like, oh, this is weird. How is this Christian? This is like, I mean, they're claiming that this is an authentic expression of, you know, our Jewish roots as, as Christians. And the earliest church would have been like this. And I thought, uh, I don't know. Like, show me in the historical record. <laughs> um, but then I danced the, the circle dances and I realized there's some sort of genius in this. It's bringing people together. It's celebrating the right things. It does bring a sort of festivity that's appropriate to this day. And if it's just, we're going to feel bored and safe and comfortable, then you can only expect bored and safe and comfortable. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit does bring like, excitement and um and challenges the norm i think in in a lot of ways now just to say that 
the Holy Spirit acts in the weird is wrong. Yeah. So you can't just be weird and then say, okay, I'm doing something great. You know, um, throwing rocks at the, the, <laughs> the windows without being inspired, you know. Um, but this is part of the, the role of the Holy Spirit. So I wanted to just kind of express a sort of balance and ask the question, uh, or maybe to approach this question of how do you discover the authentic in yourself? Like, if we're trying to strive for, I at some point move from either imitation of the, these models to who am I and who does it mean for me to be a saint? That word for me is authenticity. Mm-hmm. It's when you've learned yourself and you're giving of yourself rather than playing a role. You know, fake it till you make it. Yeah, and there's, you know? a, there's a true uniqueness in that authentic self which is discovered and ultimately discovered in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the documents um, of Vatican II, Gaudium et Spes, uh, my high school theology teacher, Mr. Lanzini, ingrained this one in us, but Gaudium et Spes 22 is Jesus Christ reveals man fully to himself. Mm-hmm. And he's like, remember that, know that, that's where you find yourself, is in Christ. Is in Christ, yeah. Um, but who is Christ? Christ is the God-man. Christ is infinite. Uh, Christ is incarnate and instantiated in this world, but he is infinite. And um, I think of St. Therese and her little flower in God's garden of saints image, mm. because what, what he, she's saying is um, a garden that is just one flower, even if it's the most beautiful flower, even if it's all these gorgeous roses, red roses, there's more beauty in a garden with roses of multiple colors and daisies and peonies and, you know, lilies and orchids and iris. And um, so Therese sees herself as a little flower in God's garden, meaning she is one unique element of this grand, beautiful thing Mm. that God has done. Uh, And it's authentic and it's unique but it's part of Christ. Uh, and I think we can get into um, a false sense of you know, deviant or weird uh, where it's now like, I'm going to be unique and I'm going to be different than you. And I don't want to conform to you or the society or my school. or And so I'm just going to go off the rails weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, Me is different than everybody. And, and that's, you know, I mean... There's there's a rebellious spirit. I think you and I both have a bit of it. You've got, you know, your perennial punk. Yeah. Um, and this is part of why I'm celebrating weird. Yeah. I like it. Um, but there still has to be a tether there, right? You can't, sure. There, if you go full punk to the point of saying, I'm I'm a punk outside of Christ, well, you just, yeah. now, now you're imitating You're lawless. Satan. Yeah, <laughs> lawless. You refuse to connect with other people because I'm just like tragically... Uh, unique and all right so we'll come back we'll come back to that Sorry. piece no I, that's oh, great yeah. i mean you're going you're 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 we're on the same <laughs> wave you know brain length yeah <laughs> right and uh, but i want to just point out a couple of examples so the first is in celebration of the, this diversity um one just an image of what you're talking about with uh, that great example of 
uh, Therese and the and the flowers, I think of um, these these beautiful stained glass windows around mm-hmm. the cathedral, where there are pieces and a lot of different colored pieces make up this great big mosaic uh, that's a gorgeous representation of Jesus or Mary and the saints or the stories of Christ's life, and those little pieces are very unique. Um, but brought together, they form this collage. And, um, and this image of a church being built up was one that Paul uses to talk about the body of Christ. You know, Jesus is the, the cornerstone, and you are all pieces of that building. You know? And it could be pieces of glass that uh, shine with different colors mm-hmm. and different styles. And so everything is... Every person is unique. And in fact, everything in creation is unique. And one of my favorite um, one of my favorite people, great figures in the church who have contemplated this reality is uh, Gerard Manley Hopkins. You know the, the poet. Oh, yes. Do you know his, his uh, poem as Kingfishers Catch Fire? Not, uh, not coming to recall. Okay, read so it to me. I'm going to read it. And the, the theme, the major theme and um, Gerard Manley Hopkins is like a, just a, a beautiful wordsmith who put language to this, um, this theme of things uniquely being themselves. Yeah. You know, this is how the grass greens. Even before, uh, before he was Catholic, or at least before he, he entered religious life, he was an author. Uh, he was one of the you know, kind of up-and-coming uh, authors in England. And uh, I believe he didn't. He he got rid of everything he wrote before his conversion. I believe. Yeah, I remember something like that, but I don't know if he effectively did that, or if he gave it to the superior and asked them to be destroyed, or something like that. But he uh, he really wanted to use his his talent and his art to portray the beauty of of God in his creation, working with man, and uh, so that's just a. Side tangent of Catholic stuff you should know. Uh, stuff you should know <laughs> yeah. about Gerard Manley Hopkins. Well, you should know everything about Gerard right, Manley so. Hopkins <laughs> and read his his poets uh, his poetry very regularly. Um, it's just beautifully profound. But this is part of what it, his uh, just a an example of his genius. Okay, here's the poem: As kingfishers catch fire, dragonflies draw flame. As tumbled over rim in roundy wells, stones ring. Like each tucked string tells, each hung bell's bow swung finds tongue to fling out broad its name. Each mortal thing does one thing and the same. Deals out that being indoors, each one dwells. Selves goes itself. Myself, it speaks and spells. Crying, what I do is me, for that I came. I say more, the just man justices, keeps grace. That keeps all his goings graces. Acts in God's eye what in God's eye he is, Christ. For Christ plays in ten thousand places, lovely in limbs and lovely in eyes not his, to the Father through the features of men's faces. So this kind of harkens back to your... There's a a lot there. Yeah, this incarnational sense of Christ living in human beings. Yeah. And this beautiful combination of 
the spirit of Christ uniting with our own spirit, like the personality of Jesus in combo with my own personality. When things are doing what they are, when people are being who they are. And of course, there's, yeah, there's lots of expressions, but the idea being that among the billion Catholics out there, there are kind of a billion Christs <laughs> um, anointed, sharing the life of Christ, unique. And there's, it's hardly any convention when we're talking about the body of Christ and the Christians. Um, that this uniqueness makes the church beautiful, makes the church complete. No, it's not the standard great big army that you see on Chinese propaganda. It's a wild collection of all kinds of characters. And I'm learning from, from each all the time. I'm assigned to the cathedral. There's a lot of wild characters and you could look at them and say they're, they're weird because they're doing unusual things. There's a guy who uh, recently was bringing in uh, other guys off the street. I think he lives on the street. And he was bringing in other guys off the street. And there was a series, like in one week I would met like four or five different people that he brought in to church with him. And I was kind of amazed by how this guy is just finding people and, and bringing them in. And I, at some point, and he was telling me the stories, this guy's mom died and he, and he's hated God ever since this guy had a bad experience in church and didn't want to come in. This guy said that he was too dirty to be in a church. And, um, and he's talking about his life and his soul and all of these things. And I said, well, so what'd you, how did you get him in here? How'd you talk him in here? He said, oh, I don't talk him into him. I paid him. <laughs> he just gives him 10 bucks and i was like i was like well how you're not wealthy are you and he said no i beg on the street i fly one of those cardboard signs and then i make enough to uh buy these people off bring them in <laughs> and i thought that is crazy this holy fool and but he told me and he could see he says this transforms people like i bring people in here and they find peace with god or they're inspired, or their heart softens. And his insight was remarkable to me because he's really a pretty simple dude and he's paying everybody off. And I thought this kind of, this is a, a brand of evangelization and holiness that I'm not, I'm a book guy. You're not going to read in books that kind of creativity and craft. Yeah. This guy is just putting it in action and kind of living himself you know? Um, but I, I thought it, it made me think like, okay, well, I don't, I don't want to pretend that there's a simple norm that everyone has to, um, adhere to, right? Like there's so many different characters and holiness means so many different things. And it's only seen when you see Christ living in a particular person. Mm -hmm. And then you start to learn what holiness is, you know? And then you open yourself to, to say, well, how, what is this? What is the uniqueness in me? What does it mean that I am me? I yeah. Know. Yeah, there's the, the universals of the Christian life. You know, to believe in the gospel is the first one, to believe in Jesus. Yeah. But then, you know, um, you just, you, we are called to imitate Christ. We want to imitate Christ as we see him in the gospels, right? Well, that's a pretty radical life. 
Yeah, um, and what does that look like? But, does that mean you're supposed to find a paralytic and exactly. you're supposed to tell him to take up his <laughs> cot or give him a cot so you can tell him yeah. to take it up? And and is everybody supposed to be, you know, living as an itinerant preacher, you know, right. camping out from one town to the next? No. But, you know, a, a evangelical poverty is actually, it's not something special that the saints do. It's something we all live as Christians and strive to live to imitate Christ. What that looks like might be different, you know. It might be giving everything and following. Um, maybe it's, you know, having your means <laughs> uh, to provide for the family, to be the first evangelist to your children, um, you know, there's, but not being attached. Um, it looks different, but it's still evangelical poverty because mm-hmm. it's at the sake of the kingdom and the proclamation. Um, and we can go, you can go through any of these. Yeah. I, that's just the first one that came to mind. Well, and, and poverty makes me think of uh, my missionaries of charity. I love the mm-hmm. missionaries of charity, Mother Teresa's sisters. And the, the uniqueness of each of the sisters is almost even more remarkable yeah. when, they're, when you're in a convent. Conventualism. You know, if you want convention, everybody adhering to the same norms, go to a convent. They yeah. all live a very strict rule of life. When you pray, how you should relate to people... Uh, what you wear, all of this stuff, and you will find very unique people. Well, here's an idea know? with that, um, kind of the at, at the at both and again, the the conventional, the unifying factor is a charism following Mother Teresa, living a certain life and mission. Yeah, and radical they, service of the poorest of the poor, and they live in a convent together in community with a common schedule, common prayer, um, and common work. And yet that commonality allows each of the sisters to become their authentic self and their individuality then is becomes more evident. So there's a weird it seems almost paradoxical. Yeah. But it's it's the conventional shared mission, vision, and life, and schedule and work that frees these sisters to be more themselves. And as they become more themselves in Christ through this conventional community, you see the the radical uniqueness. Yeah. I just, it's, and it blossoms. It's like this sister, this sister expresses her charity in washing the feet of these people or this sister expresses her charity in praying with someone the other sister will cook a meal for somebody the other sister is uh, will tell jokes i mean i there was one sister at the little sisters of the poor house mm. and her her service was telling jokes at lunchtime and <laughs> she would go collect all these dumb jokes like from laffy taffy and she would tell them for all the old people at the at the nursing home and I mean, just the, the variety of the way that Christ lives in the world is is that beauty, is that garden in the world. Yeah. So um, how do you get there? How do you discover yourself? I don't know. This is a really hard question for everybody. You know, how is life going to show you who you are? And I think it's the search that every person has. And I think in some ways life reveals it to you. And I think in, in lots of ways it's elusive. You could get all the way through life. You could have lots of life experience and never figure yourself out. Yeah. Um, 
but that's a, it's a profound project and there are ways to to get there so here's here's one way from dietrich van hildebrand mm. okay we were just studying as companions this book the art of living right yes and he starts with um he's writing a book about virtue that is like what is a good person mm-hmm. and what are their attributes and what are their good habits yeah and i love that he he uses the art of living and we talk about that uh, it's a creative mm. element we are creating our life i, I talked with Father John about this in the last podcast we did, but that creative element of creating your life, uh, that's the art. Yeah. Putting together this picture by the end of it, you know, the painting. Becoming yourself through your own sculpting of yourself. Yeah. And yeah, and then part of it is is discovery. Mm-hmm. So this is where he starts with the virtue. He's going to go through faithfulness, responsibility, veracity, that is truth, being honest, goodness, um, and he's going to talk about the context of virtue today, hope and communion. And, but he starts with reverence and he says the reverence is the mother of all virtue. And the way he defines reverence is that he says it is an openness to being revealing itself to us. So the world showing itself to us, everything, you know, the mm-hmm. sky showing itself to us yeah. and openness to seeing, um, the, the, I don't know pet dog that you have <laughs> the openness to yeah. hearing the sounds of the world it's very uh, a marian posture mm. of receptivity so the reverence the reverence of what is holy mary is able to receive yeah uh, christ yeah an uh, openness and then ponder all things in her heart as she sees them through life yeah this is the reverence we're talking about and he opposes this to or contrasts it to somebody who's proud or concupiscent so um concupiscent just means you're so wrapped up in your own pleasure and pleasure-seeking, entertainment, all this stuff, that you never stop to say, there are others around here. It's just all about me and me satisfying my base desires. The proud one says, I'm the only good thing in the world, and the other stuff is should be trying to imitate me, and I have nothing to learn from the world. So then you close yourself off. The reverend person is open to seeing the goodness in all things. And the greatest of these things... Uh, is a human person, the great mystery of another person. And so he, there's something of, when you come with reverence to the world, you meet other people. And now this other person who is different than me poses a possibility. Either I can say their differences are annoying and they're um, off-putting and they need to change to be more like me. Because I don't, I, different confuses me i can't be wrong i'm right about everything i'm the you know i'm the person who i know and i want to be and somehow they need to figure out how to be more like me you know so that's like the proud person but then you can break through with reverence which says this person is different from me and it's good you know um i can discover the goodness in other people and it's what i it's what i lack I don't have to have everything. I don't have to consider myself complete. And I also don't have to judge myself saying, I ought to be like them. I can say, there is, there is something beautiful about this other person. And then we're discovering our own value. Mm-hmm. That not only am I not that person, um, but I'm good. And I'm good in my own particular ways. And you start to appreciate who people can be and all the different characteristics 
And then, and, and, and when you can affirm those things, then you can start to affirm your own good and discover your own good. Um, but it starts with that reverence. It's like, am I open to seeing the good in the other person and, and in the differences of the world? Or am I going to say, you know, different is bad and dangerous and weird? You know what I mean? Like, there are people who have a sense of humor that just delights me. Like my friend, Father Nathan Goble, obviously. <laughs> um, he's got an, kind of an unmatched humor that I can either look at and say, man, I don't like that because I, I wish I was like that. Or um, it's just a judgment on me. I have a terrible sense of humor, you know. I'm, I can never be like that. Um, or I need to s- spend my time trying to figure out how to be like him or whatever. Or I could just say, man, that's delightful. I'm glad mm-hmm. he's around. I, I wonder what kind of humor I have. Yeah. And then I can discover that. That strikes me the line from the poem that Christ for Christ plays in 10,000 places, lovely in limbs and lovely in eyes, not his to the father through the features of men's faces. Yeah. That Jesus is playing in the other, in, in each. And, and I mean, it goes back to the, the gospel is Jesus. When, when did we see you and not, Mm. not do this? When you did not do this to one of the little of me, Mm. you did not do it to me. Or when you did, you know, give the the water or clothes or feed one of these littlest you did to me. Yeah. Uh, and so that Jesus in the other, but also the, the playfulness of so the delighting in the others. What, yeah. what made me think of, you know, that playing lovely in limbs and in faces. Yeah. So that's, I guess the point is just, if you want to discover yourself and you want to know what your unique brand of holiness is, it's going to be from, honoring and delighting in the uniqueness of people that you come to meet and not living in the fear and the judgment of saying, I, um, yeah, I'm going to be put off by things or I'm going to say that's strange because it makes me uncomfortable. If people have this crazy cackle laugh, (laughs) can I laugh with it or can I try to get away because they're embarrassing me? Yeah. And every deviant, some, every piece of deviance is an embarrassment to me or makes me uncomfortable. Uncomfortable yeah. is good because the different can be um, telling. Yeah, when we feel uncomfortable, the best question to ask is why? And start there instead of run. Yeah. Uh, get away. Or what's, what's valuable here? Yeah. And um, you could be, you shouldn't run around trying to make everybody uncomfortable. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just thinking, you, we, how often do we close ourselves off to people because it's challenging, they're, or they're, they're just not our type, our people, our tribe. Yeah. And, and then we try to make ourselves um, isolated and not receiving others. Uh, I mean, the, the church is one body, and we receive the faith from each other um, through the proclamation. And it just makes me think of the the absolute necessity of community, but community can only happen with receiving the other. It's not through, you know, there's five of us living in the house, and you know what? I need you to be my way in the house. That's not going to create community. But receiving Father Mike as Father Mike and Father Jason and Father Joseph as the people they are, can let me enter into community with them in the house. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then from that, I become more myself and I become more, uh, more missioned and more, um, actualized. <laughs> yeah. And I think there was some, I did listen to a, p- a podcast that you guys did on affirmation. And I think that's part of that. It's like, can I recognize something that's unique in somebody else and celebrate that? And that creates community because it makes people feel themselves yeah. and comfortable as themselves. And then trust builds and, you know, value and you feel happy to be a part of that community. And so part of this is just an appeal to say, maybe when you go to the, your parish, don't just look for people who are like-minded or that you feel comfortable with or that you admire and you'd like to be around because you'd feel better or somehow you you have this sort of natural chemistry with. Sometimes we talk about, you know, chemistry as, you know, friendship. That's good. I'm not saying don't make friends with people who are like you, but try to stretch and try to see in people where Jesus is mm-hmm. and how Jesus is living in them. Because even the most boring people or the most weird people in your parish <laughs> have Jesus living in them uniquely, just as yeah. much as you. You know? And you're gonna you're gonna grow and you're gonna learn from that stretch. Um, so just to bring it back around, I'm I think there is something beautiful in convention, like you had said about the convent that there are norms for behavior within the church that help us to feel comfortable with each other and to be on the same page. And certainly to have the same goal is mm-hmm. very uniting, but it looks different in, you know, lovely in 10,000 limbs and 10,000 faces. Yeah. And that is in some ways dangerous and deviant. <laughs> um, yeah, my my you could call it weird, but I'm I'm not sure that's the right word. Yeah, but I, I like the intuition of because weird can be interpreted in a myriad of different ways um, to to have the conversation that it's not misinterpreted um, that what we're saying or when you listen to that other podcast, um, you know, it's not that's not what we mean. Yeah, but we mean this this unique creative part of each person that is Christ in you. And, and my closing thought, um, I can't remember where I read this, heard this, uh, but evil is boring because evil always looks the same. Mm. Evil devolves into the same typical manners of harming others. Um, we see it tragically in our world constantly, but it's not new. Yeah, evil is not predictable. Cre- evil is not creative. It's, it's shocking and it can come out of, you know, seem like it come out of nowhere, but it's the same things on repeat. I mean, I, I don't want to get into all the, <laughs> the tragedies of the world right now, but, but you know them, the war in Ukraine, uh, violence and, and shootings in the U.S., um, war and violence and killing uh, looks the same. Yeah. It's boring. It's not creative. Love is creative. Yeah. And God, who is love, uh, and inspires and dances in the limbs and the faces of these thousands and tens of thousands, um, the saints are unique. And each saint is different. If you actually look at all of them, they're all, they share in similar charism, yeah. but they're all unique and different because love is creative. That there are 10,000 different manifestations of the one God living in man. Um, but it's creative, not boring. 
yeah. and, and you can find another saint. And then each of us is to be another saint, another, uh, another slightly just misshapen sort of oval colored glass in the, in the stained glass or another uh, flower in the garden. Yeah. And if you, if you have, um, and I guess I want to say like, we kind of had these examples of what we think are kind of weird examples on this podcast that I was, I'm kind of trying to compliment. Um, I have no problem if you're a traditionalist or if you're charismatic or if you're an intellectual or you're uh, serving the poor, that's all holy. That's all Christian. And I hope that it's, if it's you go for it, do it. Just don't despise anybody else for their authentic. Also doing Catholicism. That expression. Yeah. And movements and charisms. Yeah. Because there's, there's a lot to be discovered. You, I know you started with uh, Father John not wanting to deal with him, but I think you'd absolutely agree with you on the the point of charism. That charism is a a diversity. Yeah, the Holy uh, Spirit. Yeah. I, he wouldn't he wouldn't disagree with yeah, any of this. Any of it. Yeah. He just on principle for saying <laughs> that needs to be there needs to be a, a second chapter. Um, no, I love part you, John. Two. He knows. Part two. He knows. <laughs> we could have done this just as as well. Well, that's it. Uh, I want to shout out um, my brother-in-law. His name is David Tucker. Deet. He's a great guy. I mean, just a fantastic guy. One of the greatest soccer players in his youth that has ever existed. A true Pele and a man of prayer and great humor. Uh, I'm going to shout out, uh, this is actually a shout out the Thomistic Institute and the East Coast Dominicans. Um, I don't. I know a few of them, not super well. But some of them are friends of, of you guys as well. Uh, particularly uh, Greg Pine was at Steubenville. Father Greg mm. Pine. He was at Steubenville when I was there. He probably doesn't even remember me. I think he was a senior when I started, but he was like one of the it guys on campus. And then he immediately went, joined the Dominicans, uh, and now he's working on the Thomistic Institute stuff. Right on. And uh, yeah, I just, uh, this is the shout out of the Catholic podcast you should be listening to also. The uh, Thomistic Institute's got some great stuff. Um, so I just want to shout those guys out. They're doing great work. Yeah, right on. All right, God bless you, everybody. Go be weird. Cheers. This has been Catholic Stuff. <laughs>